Welcome to another episode of the Military Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Big Chief. So, this week we are going to talk about how leaders deal with negative emotions towards people. If you are in a leadership position or you are aspiring to get into a leadership position, you will deal with difficult people. Trust me, I have dealt with them over my 20 years in the military and now I'm in a leadership position on my civilian job and I still deal with difficult people. Every business is a people business. So if you plan on occupying the world and interacting in any type of job, you will have to know how to deal with people. But in this episode, I'm catering this conversation towards folks who are in a leadership position or aspiring to be in a leadership position. So sometimes when you have a difficult person and you're new to leadership and you haven't quite gotten the refinement uh, of an experienced leader yet, I'll tell you that your first response will be anger or flipping out. I remember when I first pinned on Sergeant E5 in the army and my perception of leadership from the time I got in the army was the guy that can tell people what to do and people just automatically listen. Why? Because he's in charge and that's what people who are subordinate are supposed to do. They're just supposed to listen. So I came into leadership with that understanding, didn't have much refinement, never read a book about it. I had army doctrinal training on what leaders were supposed to be and do. You go through this thing called Warriors Leaders Course uh, before you pin on E5. And I have to say, it didn't quite prepare me uh, to deal with the complexity of personalities. So I remember the first time that I had a soldier, I was uh, downrange in Iraq and I was telling this guy to do something. I don't remember what it was, but he did not listen to me. And he was refusing to do the thing I was telling him to do. And uh, during this time, um, as a young soldier in the army, I was boxing. I was doing uh, Wing Chun Kung Fu. I was doing all these martial arts. And because my tool bag of skills as a leader was empty and my tool bag of how to punch people was full, I kind of felt like I needed to dig inside of that tool bag to resolve my conflict. Now, the story doesn't end with me beating him up, but that certainly came across my mind. I remember I was getting so heated and I felt my blood boiling and my hands were shaking. And I was like, why cannot, why can I not control this guy? How come when I tell him to do something and he doesn't respond to me, how can I force him to acknowledge my authority? I remember South Park, they had, uh, I think it was Cartman used to say, you, you, you have to respect my authority. I think that's what he said. Something like that. And that's how I felt. I was like, man, this guy will not listen to me. Um, several reasons why as a new leader or a leader that hasn't reached that level of refinement yet will have that angry response and that feeling like you should flip out. One of those things is somebody's not listening to you because you're leading off of your position, which is the weakest approach to leadership is to lead strictly based off of I'm the manager I'm in charge you should do what I say 
you're going to constantly run into problems with people listening to you. And that will be one reason that will trigger that angry emotion. The next thing is some people can be annoying. You might have that employee that asks 10,000 questions or they just don't get it and you have to explain yourself a lot of times or they just generally might be annoying people. But you are nonetheless expected to lead those people. You might come across folks that have bad attitudes and then you feel like you have to reciprocate that emotion. Uh, You might run across some folks that are just disrespectful um, and disrespect is not always in what they say but it's how they say things. Some people can be very cynical and they can say things in a very, you know, smart aleck kind of way, um, or they might have body postures and, and nonverbal communication um, approaches that are just disrespectful. Like if you talk to them, they don't make eye contact. They might roll their eyes. Uh, after you say something, they might give you a stare, you know, like you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. Are you done yet? And uh, the other thing that might get you triggered is people just not executing. So that's a short list, but nonetheless, it is a list of some things that will trigger that negative emotion inside of you. And usually when those negative emotions come up, it's because you haven't developed adequate problem solving skills yet. You were trying to mentally control somebody's arm with your brain you're trying to control their actions you know and that's what that's what triggers that negative response because you're like i should be able to control him you know you feel like you're an x-men and that you should be able to get inside his head like um you know it was a professor xavier and you should be able to get them to do everything you want them to do but that's not how leadership works leadership is about influence it's about influencing people to do what needs to be done Uh, without having to force them because it wouldn't be called leadership if you know you were just able to control them you have to make them want to move their arms and their legs and use their minds to accomplish the mission a lot of times when you run into this problem set you feel like either i'm going to punch them or i'm going to talk to them and if i talk to them then i might find myself in a conflict with this individual Um, They could be screaming at me and, um, you know, they might not agree uh, with my perspective. And next thing you know, I'm in a conflict and I don't want to get in a conflict. So some people choose conflict avoidance to deal with these negative emotions. But that can also be a bad thing. So if you don't deal with these issues early, they become systemic problems and they become habits and it becomes an expectation that you will accept this mode of behavior because why change it if it works? If I roll my eyes and I'm disrespectful and I'm being annoying, I'm not listening to you, um, I'm not getting the job done, and you accept that behavior because you want to avoid conflict because you know that your response might be, um, you know, unproportionate, disproportionate, you might start yelling and screaming, then the problem remains and it just grows. The way you have to look at it is that you have to engage this person and be 100% professional in your engagement. The discussion that you're having with this person is about conformity to existing standards and policies. It has nothing to do with a personal relationship between you and that person. And that's the first trick that you have to learn in leadership is to separate yourself 
from looking at things like it's a personal engagement with the people that you work with. It's all professional. And that environment is very stringently governed by standards, policies, guidelines. And as a leader, your job is to, you know, endorse and um, and sustain the culture and all those things that I just mentioned. Your job is to make sure they get executed. So if somebody is not getting the job done, they're not listening to you and you have to sit them down, it's a professional conversation. Hey, Steve, um, you know, I've noticed that your work ethic, you know, is not where I would like it to be. I see an opportunity for improvement. You know, here's our expectations that usually uh, when you're assigned something that um, it's completed within this, you know, established timeline. If you feel like it cannot be completed in that timeline, then here's your point of escalation. Then you need to escalate it to my level. Um, and I need to see that happen more often so that way we can collectively get this mission done. It's a quick conversation, you know, that you're going to have with somebody, but it's nothing personal. Um, but when you put your personal opinions into it, then that's when it starts to, the situation starts to degrade really quickly. Me personally, my old military career and in my current civilian career, I don't argue. I don't do that at all. All right. I use my tools. And when I was in the military, one of the tools I have is a 4856 counseling form. All right. So you sit down, you have event oriented counselings, you have professional development counselling, whatever the subject you want to make that counselling session about, same form. But the form is just there to facilitate um, a discussion. So when you sit down with that person and you take all the notes about what you want to say to them, and then you have that conversation over that form, then they sign the form saying that they understand. If you have to have multiple discussions, you document each one of those discussions, and ultimately it can lead to um, uh, escalation that might be, okay, you're gonna now uh, have to take your pay, I might have to fire you, whatever the, the repercussion might be, but it is an incremental thing. Um, so I use my tools. And the entire time that we're talking, I'm professional, I'm friendly, because it's not personal, all right? As soon as you start raising your voice, as soon as you start screaming, then you demonstrate a lack of self-control. Not raising your voice is the most boss-like thing that you can do. If you ever watched a movie with a mob boss minus Scarface, you know, when he starts screaming, say hello to my little friend, um, any other mob boss, you know, they speak calmly or they barely speak at all, but when they speak, it's effective. And you know that when he's getting ready to say something, something's going to happen. And everybody in the room is latching on to every single word that that boss is saying. And there's a reason for that. Um, because when you start, you know, going off and yelling and screaming, people realize that you at this point in time have realized that you don't have any control over the situation. And the only thing you can do is throw a temper tantrum and start, you know, yelling and screaming and wailing and doing all this other stuff that children do. And they say, this person doesn't have control. And now you're no longer looked at as a leader. You know, you're looked at as a person that's kicking a temper tantrum. And I'll tell you one thing that employees uh, or anybody that's going to be in a subordinate position to you, one thing they would love to do is to bring you to common ground. 
they want to trap you inside of a conflict because you have uh, authority and you have a power that comes with your position. And the moment that they can trap you in a conflict where you are reciprocating with them at the same level, because they don't have a reason to be professional. They don't have a reason to maintain um, the appearance of a leader because other people are not watching them respond to you and measuring their response as to, you know, how should a leader respond? They're just saying, oh, that employee's pissed off. What's the boss going to do? You know, is the boss going to take it? Is the, How is the boss going to respond? You know, and they're watching you. So as soon as you come down to the level of your subordinate, then you've lost and you put yourself in a compromising situation that they will leverage and they will leverage it. Uh, you know, we say in the military that, you know, you're your subordinates are always taking notes. They're, they're seeing when you know what time you come to work, what time you leave, how long you go to lunch. They, they, they're looking for you to make mistakes. All the, all the standards that you impose on them, they want to see if you're going to follow the same standards. They are dying for you to not do something to standard because they want to take notes and they want to, you know, when it comes time to retaliate because you've made a correction on them, they're going to bring those notes to the fight. So what you don't want to do is put yourself in a situation where you're having a screaming match uh, and going back and forth with your employees and getting personal. Always keep it uh, professional. All right. You know, becoming a leader is is um, not something that is, you know, there are natural born leaders, but it's a constant um, development process. Um, you have to find books. Uh, one of my favorite books is John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership, uh, where he describes, and I always use this for new leaders because it describes how to build up uh, in your leadership power. Um, there's, you know, leading from position, leading from permission, leading from technical or, or expertise, you know, so people will follow you. If people follow you because they like you and you got to level two leadership, level one is position. Level two is because people like you. That we also call, also call that referent power, right? So there's there's like actual power, but then there's also referent power. So when people like you, you don't necessarily have to be in leadership position. You could be inside of an environment where you don't have a leadership role, but when you walk in the room, everybody wants to come to you to ask you for advice. They admire you. They look at the way you carry yourself. They look at the way that you handle yourself um, in conflict. Maybe you brief well. Maybe you can de-escalate situations well. Maybe you're really smart. Maybe you're just very charismatic. That's referent power. And and that's like level two of leadership. So usually if you've already built referent power amongst your peers and amongst the people who know you, who you interact with, then when you add that level one of position, you've already got ahead of the game. You've already built, you know, that reputation. And that's what you really want to do. You know, you want to make sure that leaders know that you're effective subordinates know that you can deliver they know that you have value that can be extracted because it's all about perception you know can this person teach me something and they always watch how you engage before they start to admire before they start to ask for advice so you know when you start leading uh influence start with what you do before you open your mouth you know when i go to work every day i wear a suit and tie every day and uh, there was a guy that I work with that, you know, we have competitions of, you know, who can look the most professional. 
and he used to tell me, he's like, look, Mike, he said, uh, when people say that I'm dressed up, he said, I, I tell them I'm not dressed up. I'm dressed appropriately. If you're a janitor, you wear a janitor's outfit. You know, if you're a firefighter, you wear a firefighter's outfit. I'm a professional. So I dress professionally. He said, that's my uniform. And then he was like, so I'm dressed appropriately. But by doing that, without even speaking, people start to form an opinion. They say, this person dresses like a boss. He carries himself like a boss. When you speak and you speak confidently, when you shake somebody's hand and, and you have a firm grip, um, when you have an opportunity to show your personality and you're, you're funny, but then you can also go back to being professional, you start to build up this reference power, you know, where they start to paint a picture of who you are. And that might be something folks aspire to be. So you, know, you have to get to that level two leadership and then level three was like expert power. And then you get to the point where you get uh, a reputation for being able to develop other leaders. All that to say that these ideas were extracted from a book. All right. I didn't make up these ideas, but um, reading books and finding mentors is a key to uh, figuring out how to manage uh, people. Uh, you'll meet different people along the course of your career, but you will meet the same personalities. All right. So if you find somebody that's in your job, that's difficult. You have that difficult employee that's always giving you problems, always troubleshooting you. Um, the best thing you can do, they're troubleshooting you for a reason. They're troubleshooting you because they feel that they're smarter than you and that they know better than you. But guess what? Your job as a leader is not to be the smartest person in the room. Your job as a leader is to hire the smartest people in the room and know when to use your resources, which are your, which are your employees and let them be smarter than you, you know, and, and you have to, in that particular situation, figure out a way to navigate that perceived problem set. Oh, this employee is always troubleshooting me. How do I respond? I can be like, Hey, shut up, Steve. I'm tired of you always cutting me off and trying to act like you're smarter than me. Because now you're getting into a pissing match trying to show that you're smarter than Steve. Now it shows that you have an ego to protect and it doesn't look like you're actually in charge. You didn't acknowledge the fact that Steve is actually a resource for you. So if he's troubleshooting you and he's smarter, then I'll say, hey, Steve, uh, what do you recommend? You know, if you feel like he was disrespectful in the public, pull him to the side. Hey, Steve, you know, it really sets a, a negative precedence if you were disrespectful you know, in public like that, if you disagree with me um, on a on a personal level, then, you know, we can have a discussion offline. If it's a professional disagreement, then professional disagreement actually makes the team better. You don't want a team of people who agree with you all the time because then you'll be doing the same things wrong all the time and everybody will be wrong all the time. So it's all about how you deal with those challenges. So you'll have you'll meet different people but the same personality. So learn how to navigate those personalities in the place where you are. And if you can't figure out on your own and the books aren't helping, then find a mentor. And sometimes it gets to a point where maybe it's not a fixable situation. Maybe it's not a situation that you should even be trying to figure out how to navigate. Maybe it's a, a situation that requires disciplinary action, you know, and that's okay too. Uh, a part of taking care of the team is also knowing when you got to remove people or when you got to, you know, impose some type of correction on people. All right. So that's a part of the, the growth process, too. Um, it's, it's difficult uh, when you first become a leader of separating 
your natural public uh, response, like how you are at home, it's difficult to separate that person from the leader person. Um, in my life, especially because I have a security clearance, uh, my requirement to be professional all the time kind of extends outside of the workplace. Because trust me, I've been in so many situations where I just want to knock somebody upside the head because they're acting crazy. Uh, and I always have to go back and think, you know, this person probably doesn't have as much to lose as I do. So when I'm going to make a uh, irresponsible decision, I always have to take a pause and go back and kind of evaluate the situation and say, what's a better way to deal with this? And that's called self-control. All right. So you have to be mindful of what are the emotions that you go through? What do you, how are you feeling? How do you want to respond to the situation? And you have to, in real time, uh, assess your natural response and then redirect. And that takes a little practice, but you got to practice those things on scale. So start with the small stuff. It's not an easy skill set. You're going to find yourself in a situation outside of work where you want to start to get belligerent with somebody because they got belligerent with you, but you always got to take a pause and say, what's the right way to handle the situation? Because again, you're going to meet different people, but the same personality. So when you can deal with those challenging situations outside of work, that's going to benefit you in every other, every other aspect uh, of your life. Yeah, so uh, I think last time I had a conversation about this topic, I was talking with one of my friends and um, they were telling me that, you know, that's one of the hardest things that they have is just the urge to flip out on people um, being in a leadership role. They just want they just want to express themselves and, and, you know, show the full attitude. But, you know, it takes time to build a reputation, but it's, it, it gets destroyed uh, really quickly. So be sensitive to that. Um, you know, it takes a, it takes a long time to get to a point where people respect you and you have a reputation, but it can be torn down in one action. Don't let anybody take what you've been building away from you. Be very sensitive to that. The more people that you hang out with that have successfully figured out this whole leadership game, uh, the, the better off you'll be. And I'll tell you, a lot of folks that I talk to that are that are hiring managers or you know corporate executives, and they all kind of say the same thing that the, the hardest thing to, to find in the industry is people who know how to handle people. And you can have all the certifications in the world. Um, you can you know be the most technical person and have 25 years of experience. But I'll tell you, not knowing how to deal with people will will cause you to miss a lot of opportunities. And if you can figure it out, you will get a lot of opportunities um, just based off of that one attribute. Because like I said, every business is a people business. It's the most valuable skill. If you can find somebody that can go out there and deal with the difficult customer, that can lead the team that is disjointed, um, then that's a valuable skill. I have one of my buddies, he's a, a manager and he has a team of uh, probably like 30 something people. And within that team, he has maybe about five or six leaders that uh, are charged to, you know, lead their sections. 
And you know, it's, it's always interesting when, when I hear the challenges that he experiences um, with the individual people on his team. And it always boils down to, can you teach your leaders to be effective so that way your leaders can go and execute um, those ideas within their teams? Because as you move up, it gets more and difficult, guys. So you'll start off directly managing a group of five or six people, and then you manage three managers who manage five people each, and then you manage a group you know, of, of managers that manage other managers that manage people at the bottom level. And then eventually you find yourself at an executive level where you manage an organization of thousands of people and you have directors and, and, you know, program managers and site leads, and they have people under them. So when you, when you're trying to steer the culture of an organization, if you plan on moving up, um, you know, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you have to figure out how to trickle down your ideas and principles to the lowest level. And I will tell you that, that, you know, this leadership game is, is a constant effort you never stop learning. You never stop going, growing and you never stop making mistakes, you know, and you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way dealing with people, but it's okay. Um, the most important thing in this leadership business is that you are okay with making mistakes. You don't shy away from them because that's how you grow and that you are aware enough that you have enough self-awareness to know that you didn't do something right. And when you don't get it right, have a conversation with somebody. It's okay to tell your employees that you messed up. It's okay to not know how to deal with a situation effectively. If you don't know how to engage a subordinate, an employee, stop what you're doing and seek advice. Ask your leader, you know, go find some resources, equip yourself before you go into that engagement. All right, it's always better to postpone a conversation it's always better to postpone sending an email. And I want to put some emphasis on that. Once you send that email out of emotion, you start typing and you start talking a bunch of crap over your email and you fire that thing off, then that's going to be locked in the digital records for forever. And you're always going to have to answer to those irrational things that you said over email. So if you write an email out of anger, whether it's to a subordinate or to a boss or anybody, Write the email, save it in draft. All right. Go back and read that email a few hours later and then see if you still feel the same way and if it still makes sense to send that email. All right. But like I said, before you go out there and engage and do anything crazy, always pause. And, you know, I think it's important to reiterate that it's okay to engage just because you might be um, just, you know, predisposition, have a predisposition to responding to things sharply. That, that's not a reason for you to not engage and not try uh, to deal with, um, you know, those many reasons I outlined earlier um, to not deal with those issues uh, with your employees. Just, you know, like I say, keep things professional. I always make sure that when I talk to anybody um, about the corrections that need to be made, I come with my artifacts, I come with my regulations, I come with my standards and my policies. And then I have a regular human discussion with them, but they know that the thing that I'm trying to enforce is not a Mike Filbert idea. It's a, this is what the organization ex expects. My job is to make sure that things are done in a predictable way and that we get the mission accomplished. And then there's also the human side of it where, you know, sometimes you might have to ask people if they're okay. You know, that's a part of being a leader too. 
It's not all about, you know, pointing and knife hand and everything. Sometimes people have life challenges and there might be a reason why they have an attitude or a reason why they might be annoying. They might be lonely and they just might want to talk to you. You know, they might be disrespectful, maybe because they got, you know, some type of uh, life problems at home and, and they they just lash out at work, you know, so as a leader, you're kind of a psychologist. You kind of you're a lot of different things, um, but just be open to uh, the dynamic environment of leadership. Um, be open to dealing with people and learning people and continue to develop yourself, read books, find mentors. You know, it's a journey. It is a journey. And, and it's, it's not, you don't come out perfect. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and I'm still learning. I'm still refining. I'm still managing my own emotions and my own responses to people. It takes time, a long time, but you have to be sensitive and just continue to groom yourself and refine yourself. And, and, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's a, it's a great opportunity, but it takes work. So hopefully you guys learned something about how to deal with those negative emotions you might feel when you get into a leadership position. And, you know, hopefully you guys go out there and employ some of those, uh, those skills we talked about. So go get that book, John Maxwell, five levels of leadership and uh, Monday morning mentorship. It's also a great book. Uh, go check them out and, uh, see you guys uh, next week.